So this is the best season that we have at City Hills. Every year we kind of push the pause button on our, uh, on our series, and I take a few Sundays. I do it once in the spring, uh, and then I do it again in the fall to kind of remind you and update you of where we are as a church and kind of what we do and our vision and what, what we're doing here and, and around the world. Last week, if you didn't catch that legacy message, uh, I would encourage you to catch that. Uh, you can do that on the podcast. And people ask me sometimes, Pastor, why do we, you know, why do you take a time every year, two, at least two Sundays every year, to talk about, specifically about vision? And really, it's because I want to help you. Honestly, everything that, that I do here, I, I'm, I'm constantly asking God, how can that make your life different? Because if, if Sunday is inspirational, but it doesn't help you or give you tools on Monday, it didn't work. Amen, everybody? And I kind of grew up in church where Sundays were powerful and amazing, but I woke up on Tuesday morning, and I had lost everything I had got on Sunday. Like, it didn't, there was no connection. And, and, and so the thing I love about this church is it's powerful on Sunday, and it's, and it's applicable on Monday. And so I said, God, t- tell me how we can make, well, like, why vision again? And really, I think the reason is found in the book of Proverbs, the 28th chapter. Proverbs, I'm sorry, 29. Proverbs 29 and 18, and the message says it like this. If you can't see what God's doing, in other words, if you don't have vision in your life, if you can't see what God's doing, then you'll end up stumbling all over yourself. Some of us, that's how you would describe the last year or two years or three or or, or decade of your life. I just, I don't know where God's plan is, and so I end up stumbling all over myself, trying to find my footing, trying to find my way. You don't have to raise your hand, but is that you? Like, I just, I don't know, I, I, I think it was this way, and then I started going that way, and I stumble all over myself, and I think, and I've just never submitted to God's vision for my life. But when you do that, when you attend to what God reveals, when you open your eyes and say, God, you, t- t- tell me what it is you want to do through me, then you are the, everybody say this phrase, say most blessed. Underline that in your Bible or, or write that in your notes. R- really, my prayer for you as your pastor is that you live this most blessed life. Like, I don't think Christians ought to just barely make it through. Amen, everybody. I don't think you ought to just be the most destitute people in the world. I think when we see you in Walmart or HEB, you ought to be happy about it. Come on, everybody. And now some of you aren't happy about having a grocery shop. I am the grocery shopper in our house. Where are we at on that? Where's the grocery shoppers in your house? Good. Good. I could tell. Usually our waistlines match. Uh, I uh, I like it, but I don't like seeing Christians I meet in H-E-B who are just, look like they lost their best friend. Come on, everybody. I think you ought to live the most blessed life. I think your marriage ought to be the most blessed. I think your finances ought to be the most blessed. I think your children ought to be the most blessed. I think everything you put your hands to should be the most blessed. And there's a formula for that, and it's about opening your eyes to what God reveals because God has a plan for your Life and, and if you've been around City Hills very long, we write it everywhere. It's on everything that we do. It's on the worship guide you got. It's on the connection card you have. It's on the walls outside. It's, it's everywhere that we go that there's a journey that we think God wants every person to go on. I don't think it's even my vision. I think it's God's vision for you. I think it's God's vision for every person in the world, as a matter of fact. And you can find it all throughout the Bible. And we say it like this, that we want you to know God. Not know about God. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's, there's no benefit to the world for me to raise a whole church full of theologians. 
who know about God, but they don't have a relationship with God. Who, who have this head knowledge that doesn't translate to a heart that's transformed by the power of God. Amen, everybody? I want you to know God. But once you know God, once you, and maybe it's time for you. Maybe that's your step today, that you really decide to go all in with God. Once you do that, you got to settle your yesterdays. We, we say it's finding freedom. you got to kind of find the place in your life where you realize, I come with baggage. Come on, everybody. If you've lived longer than yesterday, you've got baggage. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if you're more than a day old, you got, I mean, there are day-old babies that go, boy, that was violent. I need some help from that. Come on, everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I need some help from that. Mama, why is it so cold out here and you abandoned me? Like, what's, everybody's got a past. I don't care how Christian you think you are or how long you were raised in church. Everybody's got hurts and issues and things. And if you'll get in a life-giving relationship, we think God will deliver and heal you most. James 5, 16 says, if you'll confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you would be healed, that there's freedom that comes in that. And then I think, I think the best part of Christianity is sort of turning that corner. Once you, once you clear the lens of your soul, you know, once you kind of take the smudge of your past away, you can see clearly the future that God has. For I think the reason why Christians can't see the future God has is because they're stuck in the past that hurt, in the past pain. But, but once, once you find freedom from that, then you can, dis- what we call discover your purpose, or you can find the thing God put you on this planet for. Two greatest days of your whole life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born, why God created you, that you're not an accident, that you were created on purpose and with a purpose. And, and really, our job at this church is not to, to tell you what your purpose is. Your job isn't even really to worry about what your purpose is. Your job, my job as a believer, is to discover it, to uncover when I unpack all of that stuff out of my life, oh, that's the purpose God has for me. Like I I lived through this. I had these gifts. I had these things because God had a plan for my life. Are you still there? Say amen. Amen. Then you can can live what I think is the highest level of existence. I, I I think God created every human being with the innate desire for their lives to make a difference, for your life to matter, that your life really does count for something, that there's something that you're doing with your life. And I think it's better when you're doing it with people, that your life is mattering. It's, it's, it's making a difference. God's ultimate plan for your life. If you're wondering if you came today thinking, well, I wish I kind of knew what God wanted to do with me, I'll tell you. God wants to save you. That's that you know God. And then God wants to put you in a family so that, that, that can care for you and help you deal with your issues so that you can find freedom. And then God wants to redeem you with the purpose that he had for you every day of your life. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible is in the book of Psalms. And, and the Bible said that you, all of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. That God had a plan all along. If you can just discover that so that, so that you can reach back into the water and find somebody else who's drowning in their own stuff and pull them on the boat and make a difference. You have a purpose, and God has vision for your life. And if you live your life visionless, you live beneath what God created you to live with. Let me say it a different way. If you don't have vision for your life, then you're not, you, 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 don't, you don't live the God life He designed for you. In other words, God has vision for you, and you're designed in His image, so you ought to have vision for you. Let me say it this way. Write this in your notes. Life with vision is powerful, but life without vision is perishing. 
life with vision, if you'll live your life knowing I've got vision for the future, it's powerful. Vision for your marriage. You know when both, most marriages derail? When they lose vision for what could be. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're just about to get married like Pastor Aubrey and Megan get married this week, everybody. We have been praying. I've been praying. He's been in my world about 15 years. Come on, everybody. Like it's, it's or 10 years. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a thing. And Megan is the godsend who rescued him from his own self. Come on, man. You know what that's like, everybody. You know what? You couldn't dress yourself either until you got married. It's amazing when young couples get married, man. They got tons of vision. We're going to do this, and we're going to be the couple that prays every morning. We're going to be the couple that works out. Come on. <laughs> we're going <gonna> to be. <laughs> you're going to cook at home every night, whichever, whoever you, you know what I mean? Like, you just got tons of vision. And then the longer you're married, Brandy and I are almost to 20 years married and the longer some of you are 30 and 40 years where are all my 40 year married people at were you there 40 years there you are I got some over here 30 years married there you are listen it's easy to lose vision along the way and marriage problems happen when you lose vision relationships go sour when you lose vision you know you, you know when your career gets stale and stagnant when you lose vision because life with vision is powerful but life without vision is perishing. With vision, people can excel beyond the norm. You can do things you wouldn't normally be able to do. You can accomplish more together. Vision is what lifts the lid of your potential in your life. It breaks the barrier. There's some things in your life you think are impossible until you have vision for them, and vision sort of breaks through that barrier. Not only should you, should you celebrate a life with Vision, but I need you to be scared not to have vision in your life. So I don't just, I, I talk a lot about the vision of our house, the vision of this church, but I want you to have vision for your life. And if you don't, I want you to be scared today. God, you got to open my eyes to some vision here. How do you know where you want me? Because this is another translation of the same passage, Proverbs 29. And the King James Version says, Where there's no vision, you start dying. And everything around you starts dying. Your joy. Your peace, your marriage, your finances, your career, your parenting, everything around you will die a slow death without vision. The culprit behind most of my issues is lack of vision in my life. The culprit behind, if you have no vision, you live aimlessly and lethargically. I don't mean lethargically like I'm not a morning person. I mean it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you're still in your Scooby-Doo pajamas. Like, I just have no vision for what I'm... What are you doing with your life? By the way, if you go to H-E-B in your Scooby-Doo pajamas, don't call out Pastor Mitz to me. I will avoid you. Without vision, people don't have any discipline in their lives. You, you don't have any boundaries. You don't take care of yourself. Come on, anybody ever met somebody? I have a pastor friend in another state, one of my dearest friends in all the world. He, as, as, we don't talk about y'all, but people in second service, we do. And, and one of the things he always says is, is you, can't, you can't help somebody who won't comb their hair. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever met somebody who just don't care enough they'll go in public without, like, fixing their, you know what I'm trying to say on that? Like, you just, it's hard to help people that don't want help. It, if you have no vision for your life, you just lack discipline. You're passive with your life. You're passive with life decisions. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm nine years into this associate's degree, and I just don't know what path I'm supposed to take. Right? Right? 
<laughs> Some of you are raising a nine-year associate degree child. I just don't know what to do. I have no vision. Without vision, listen, without vision, you'll start criticizing people who have it. Without vision, you'll criticize everybody whose life is moving forward because yours hasn't. You'll start getting entitled and think the world owes you something because you haven't worked for the thing that you had in your mind at one time but you've lost vision for and now you're angry at everybody who's accomplished what you thought you should because you were entitled to it. You just had no vision to get up and go get it. Is that too hard? Vision living is powerful and visionless living is perishing. You're dying at best a slow death. A life void of vision is slowly slipping away. And, and, and I asked God, how, how do I preach vision to you again as we sort of head into the biggest and best series and season of our church? And I'm, I'm brought back to a character I preach about often. It's probably one of the few characters, life characters in the Old Testament in my ministry that show up over and over again, and it's Abraham. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but Abram, and his wife leave where they come from, and he takes his nephew Lot with him. They are extremely wealthy. They have two camps of camels, donkeys, herds of cattle, servants. It's, it's a very, very large operation. Most theologians believe a few thousand people between their two camps. They have to separate. Abram actually makes this famous line, I don't have time to preach to you. He tells his nephew Lot, it's not good for us to, 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 to quarrel like this, to have problems between us. He says, because we're brethren and the Canaanites are watching. Let me pause here and tell you the reason why it's not good for you to, for you to have problems, like in, in a church family, the reason why we stand against that kind of stuff is not because it's, it's not natural for us. It's because the Canaanites are watching. The world's watching how we treat one another. That's good preaching, and that was free. I didn't even write none of that down. So they start separating. Lot goes one way towards Sodom and Gomorrah. If you've been around the Bible long, you know that. And this is where we'll pick the story up, Genesis 13. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Lot goes his way. God tells Abram, I want you to catch every word. When God speaks, it's super important. He never wastes a word. Lift up your eyes from where you are. And look north. And look south. And look east. And look west. And all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. And I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Every word's important. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. In other words, you'll never really grasp how big your family is. So go, Abram. Walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Probably one of the most powerful passages between God and a person as it relates to vision in their life. Let me teach you from this passage and maybe give you some handles about how you can have vision, and maybe I can give you some vision for where we're headed as a church. Number one, if you're going to maintain, if you're going to have vision in your life, develop a life full of vision, the first thing you're going to have to do is what Abraham did. Write this down. You're going to have to lift your eyes from where you are. Lift your vision always starts by seeing something that isn't currently there. Vision start. This is, this is the irony of a vision-filled life. Listen, 
is that it's the word vision and you're going to have to see what isn't really there. <laughs> it's, it's lifting from where I currently... The current reality, let me just give it to you, for Abraham in Genesis 13 is that he had become a nomad. He is living off of the land. The way nomads lived is they would, they would literally, they would sort of, you know, just, just uh, pillage the land that they were in. As soon as all the natural resources were gone, they would just move on. When it ran out of supply, they would just move on to the next place, set up all there into the more fruitful land. And in Genesis 13, God literally changes Abram's whole perspective about his life because he says, I don't want you to keep having to, God, I feel like preaching. I don't want you to just keep, I don't want you to have to move from here to here to here. I don't want you to keep chasing this relationship, this job, this relationship, this job, moving here, moving there, trying to decide and figure out your way. I want you to get planted and find yourself a home. Now that's crazy talk to Abram who's lived his whole life as a nomad. Listen, and some of you have lived your whole life as a nomad. And God is saying, I want you to lift your eyes from what you currently know to be true. Maybe I'll give you land. The right to own land is this whole new era in human existence. And you just read about it in Genesis 13. It's the first time in human history that people decided, why don't I just buy this whole plot and plant my own crops here instead of having to move from this place to this place? Why don't I just put down roots and get planted right here and I'll sow and we'll harvest and I'll sow and we'll harvest and now I've got generational wealth built up because God gave me land. Are you with me right now? You're going to have to see what you've never seen. Lift up your eyes from this place. See what you don't currently see. God wants you to see something outside of the context of your current reality. God wants you to have vision for possibilities that you don't know about, opportunities that haven't opened yet, potential. The reality for Henry Ford was everybody had a horse and a buggy, but he saw something outside of the context of his current reality. The current reality for Bill Gates and Paul Allen is there, there, there's students at Lakeside High School in Seattle, and all the computers they ever knew about were super large, filled up a whole room. Nobody could have it, but they saw something. They said, what if we could put that computer small enough where it could be on every desk and every office and every home? Are you with me? They saw something more than where they currently were. Here's the reality. It's not denial of what we have. It's seeing what could be. It's lifting our eyes. We're not supposed to live our lives constrained by our current reality. God wants you to see a possibility. And God gave you your imagination for that very purpose. You know, your imagination is not so that you can imagine yourself as Superman when you're a little boy. It's not so you can imagine your fairy tale wedding. God gave you your imagination so you could dream of the reality that He wants to give you. So you could see what isn't currently there. Our church is in this season of seeing what isn't currently there. What if we together could see what God saw for us, nomads, who were here this morning at 6 o'clock setting up this entire church as the house of God. Hundreds of you are here today because of a few dream teamers who love God's house. The fact is, for the last three years, we've been a permanent church in a portable location. And listen to me, 
it's time we own. It's time that we see what isn't currently there. It's, it, it's time that you lift your eyes from a movie theater and see the place where God would call us and see, see what God could. It's time. It, 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 can I show it to you? I, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I've shown it to you a couple of times, and I'm just going to keep showing it to you because I got to lift your eyes from what you currently see to what could be. And I don't know where it is, so don't ask me. Don't ask our trustees. They don't have a clue where it is either. But every week we're, we're calling out to God. We're praying together. We're asking God together. We're working ourselves. We're doing the best. I don't know who owns it. I don't, don't ask me how much it costs. I don't know. A lot more than it's worth. I know that because it's, it's northwest San Antonio. So I know it's more expensive than it probably should be. I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know who owns it. I don't know who's going to give it to us. I don't know where it's going to happen. But I can see it in my mind's eye. I lift every Sunday. I come here and I see you. I lift my eyes just above your heads. And I ask God, show me what could be. Show me a lobby that looks something like this. I don't know where it is. I don't know who it is. I don't know who owns it. I just know it's going to be teeming with smiling people and buzzing with people, connecting, excited about church, on their mission, joining groups I see a family gathering in this lobby that I don't even know where it is do you see it with me come on lift your eyes passing by joy filled dream teamers passing by dream teamers who are serving in their purpose who are making room don't look at them people I don't know who they are they just pose for that picture for me they make room. They make a difference. Everybody in that lobby, there's just an electricity that says, what could God do today? Who could God save today? How could God move in our church today? How could God use us today? And then you take your little babies, because I told you last week, the greatest thing we may do as a church is not build something. We may raise somebody. So we build them a state-of-the-art children's center. I don't know where it is, but there's age-specific classrooms. And they're taught God's Word in a relatable way, in an exciting way. But more than just knowing about God, they're taught that they were created on purpose, with a purpose. They have divine calling. They were created to be leaders and not followers, influencers, and not easily influenced by the world. This is a training center, not a babysitting service. Do you see? A little higher than where we are. You just got to lift your eyes up a little bit more. After you check your kids in, get that little name tag you can wear around with pride. Come on, that little barcode, Mark of the Beast, we give you. <laughs> you enter a welcoming auditorium. I don't know where it is. I don't know who owns it. I don't know, but it, in my head it kind of looks like this. It has cutting-edge audio, video, lighting. But we didn't do any of that to entertain you. We did all of that to draw you into the presence of the living God who can change everything in your life. The stage looks empty now, but it's filled with worship team who are serving in their purpose, who are given their heart and soul to bring people into the presence of God. The Word of God is preached there with anointing, but it's applicable to your lives. And you fill it up, and we leave, and we fill it up, and we leave. But we don't just come, listen, we don't just come so that people get saved here, but they do. Marriages get healed here. Addicts get delivered here. Families get pastored here. People get prayer here. People discover their purpose here. But what really happens here is we fill it up, and we send you back out to do what God called you to do. This is a locker room. This is not the field. This is where we equip you and train you to do what God God's called you to do. And I don't know where it is, but I'm trying to lift your eyes above where we currently are. This is what you're going to have to do in your life. I keep these three pictures on my desktop in my office. Not because I'm not thankful for what we have, 
but because I'm going to live my life full of vision for this church of what could be. I want to constantly lift my eyes. And listen, I think this is worth giving your life to. I think this vision is worth giving generously to. It's why every single year around this season, matter of fact, this year it's Sunday, December the 8th, we take a one-time generous vision offering. I've never asked you for anything. We're not using this offering to pay the bills. That's not what we do. God takes care of us. I'm asking you to give to something more and bigger and beyond where we currently are. I'm asking you to prayerfully ask God. Last year, over $60,000 was given in one Sunday. Not just so we could keep it here, but we bless the world through our legacy offering. I'm asking you again, prayerfully ask God. That's all I've ever asked. That's all I will ever ask you to do is ask God. And whatever He tells you to do, bring that generous offering and let's see what is in here. Say amen to that. The next thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to lift your eyes from where you are. If you're going to live a vision-filled life, write this down, number two. You're going to have to see yourself like God sees you. You're going to have to see yourself like God sees you. Vision requires that you embrace a you that isn't who you currently are right now. Come on, everybody. I see myself as a six-foot skinny man. Come on. <laughs> I'm not there yet, everybody. But I, you got to see. You got to see what God sees in you. The next thing that this is amazing to me, Genesis 13, that God He tells Abraham, who has no children and whose wife is barren, that I'm going to make you the father of many children. Now I know what you see, Abraham. I know you see two old people. I know you see people who couldn't have kids. I know you see no children. I know you see a barren wife. But I see for you a legacy that's bigger than all of that. I see your children, your descendants like the dust on the ground. If you could count those, you could count your children. God, I just need one. And you're talking about many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to see yourself like God sees you. God says, I see you with many children. I see you being the father of many nations. I see many nations coming out of you and being influenced by your life for generations to come. And today, every major religion on planet earth traces their, their, their heritage, their lineage back to Father Abraham. Why? Because Abraham finally saw himself like God saw him. And if you're going to live a vision-filled life, you're going to have to live your life like God sees you. So, so some of you have lived your whole life saying, I'm not a leader. I'm just not good at it. But God sees you so differently. God wants you to host a small group at work. There are people at work who go, who come to your office on the lunch break and they'll sit around your desk where you can teach a small group Bible study. God wants you to volunteer, lead a parking lot team at church, or join the dream team, helping young families check their children in at kids' check-in. There's so many. God, God, God's called some of you on this stage and worship and singing and, 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 and called you in a classroom to, in a small group to teach elementary children that they have divine purpose and calling in their life. And You've never seen yourself as a leader, but God sees you differently. And if you're going to live a vision-filled life, you're going to have to see yourself like God sees you. Some of you said, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to people. Can, can I let you know a little secret? I am too. 
I, I, I lived most of my life. I have a little stutter comes out every once in a while. I, I've lived most of my life scared to talk in front of people. Matter of fact, if you put me in a small enough room, I still clam up. I don't know why. I'm better in big environments than I am in small. Like I just get a little, like my hands get all sweaty, and it's it's terrible up here, everybody. Yeah, and, and and listen, you're in good company, not with me, but God called Moses, who stuttered, and God said, "Who made your mouth? Use Aaron. Use my brother." I st- stuttered and God said I called you I see what you can't see in you you don't know my past you don't know how you don't know how bad it's been you don't know how much I failed you don't know what I'm currently battling you don't know no 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 I know you see you as a failure and God sees what you could be and if you're going to live the vision filled life you're going to have to see yourself as God sees you. Some of you have stayed back when God says it's time to step forward. Some of you have, some of you have kind of lived your Some of you in this church, you've been here a year, two years, three years. God's calling you out. It's time to start. It's time to go. It's time to move ahead. It's time for you to see yourself in a new way. See what God could do through you. It's time for you to see yourself the way God has always seen you. Every day of your life has been written in His book. He's just been waiting on you to turn that page and finally see what He's always seen in you. When you need to do that, your impossible barrier starts to lift. If you believe you can't play an instrument, guess what? You'll never pick an instrument up. If you believe you can't learn a language, you won't even try. If you believe you're finished doing anything significant, I'm too old, you'll be finished. As long as it remains impossible to you, it remains impossible. But when you start to see the impossible in the hands of God, then suddenly the impossibilities of your life become possible in your life. Not because of you, but because I see me like God sees me are you still there here's the final thing let me write it down and then we'll pray you got to you got to lift your eyes from where you currently are you got to see you got to see a future you got to see yourself in that future i see that god wants me there i see that god has a plan for me there I'm aware of God. I've never saw myself as a leader, as a volunteer. I never saw myself leading a team. I never saw myself with that promotion. I never saw myself as a college graduate. I never saw myself writing that book. But now my eyes, I've got some vision for my life. And, and, And then I think the best part of this whole passage, just four or five verses in Genesis 13, God tells Abram something crazy. He says, Abram, I want you to go walk the land, the the depth and breadth of the land. For everywhere you step, I'm giving it to you. Write this third thing down. If you want to live a vision life, you're going to have to walk around in the future. You're going to have to learn how to walk around in places you're uncomfortable. God, you mean you want me to just walk around this land? Yeah, but that mountain's big. I know, just walk around it. I'll give you everywhere you step your feet. I wish I could tell you that. I do. I work, I work very, very hard in the week. I hope you know that. And I'm in the office a lot. I'm kind of an office guy. It's just my flow. 
Every once in a while, I'll get, my, my staff knows, I'll, I'll disappear for an hour or two. And I, I'm, not, I'm not just goofing off. I really don't. I'm, I'm really not just, you'll see my truck. You'll see it riding around town. I'll stop at the most random places. Some sign that says for sale or for lease or some ranch that doesn't know it's for sale yet, but I think it ought to be. I'll get out. Sometimes I'll even wear my cowboy boots. Come on. Tuck my britches in them. And I'll just walk. I'll imagine what could be. What God could do. What buildings we could build. What families we could touch. What addicts could be delivered once and for all. What marriages who have filed for divorce could rethink, give it another chance. What children who are wayward could pray that prayer again and rededicate their hearts to Jesus. And I'll walk around in the future. I do it for my kids. I'll walk around in their future. I'll think about where could they be? Who could they marry? Who, who's God strategically putting in our lives? You can think it's crazy if you want to. But I'm going to live a vision-filled life where, Abram, just get out and start walking. Where do I go, God? Wherever. I just want you to walk and think of what it's like to have a nation that's yours. Think of what it's like to have the promise that you have. Some of you need to go to a college campus. You need to drive to UTSA if it's the closest thing here. Just walk around. I've never saw myself as a college student. Maybe I could. I never saw myself. You, you need to go to the bookstore and just touch all the hard the, the, the hardbound books, those spiral-bound books, and just rub your hands across them. I, I, I've always wanted to be an author. I never... Just walk in the future that God would have for you. Imagine your name sideways on a book. Walk around in the job. Take your spouse. Walk around. Brandy and I have been known to just, please don't shoot us if we come to your house accidentally, but we've been known to just walk around houses we like. <laughs> Can't afford them. I don't know how we're going to get it. We'll just walk around this ranch. I don't know. We'll just walk around in the future. It's what our, it's what our trustees are doing right now. It's what our elders are doing right now for you, for our church. Just walk, Just imagining what could be. And if you're going to live a vision-filled life. You, you, know why, you know why it's important to sort of physically get involved in this? You know why, like our legacy offering, you know why it's so important? I think you've got to physically get involved in vision. Here's the reason why. Because vision has no immediate answer to legitimate questions. <laughs> like vision has no immediate answer to stuff that, vision doesn't know how it's going to become a reality. I don't have a clue. How are we going to do this? I don't know. How are we going to pay for it? I don't know. When are we going to do it? I don't know. Where are we, who are we going to get to build? I don't know. But lots of visions have died in the place of premature questions. And I refuse to let this church's future die in the land of premature questions. Vision has no immediate answers for legitimate stuff. 
We've got vision for multiple campuses. Some of you who drive, a, there's some of you who drive from far east San Antonio, over an hour, 50 miles one way to this church, and not just, not just to attend second service. They pull trailers here at 6 a.m. in the morning. Dream teamers, not staff. People driving from Stone Oak, people driving from Calabria and SeaWorld down south, far in San Antonio. Why would they do that? I just see something here. There's just vision for what could be. Doesn't have immediate answers for religion. We want to put a campus where they are. I want to. We're going to put a campus in Bolverde at 281. It's amazing. It, matter of fact, the shopping center there is called Singing Hills. That's not by accident. That builder had no idea City Hills was going to put something right there, but God did. We're going to put a campus around UTSA and Days of Island, Hebner, kind of that whole I-10 corridor. We're going to reach, if we can reach college campuses, we can change the world, everybody. You say, how would a church meeting in a movie theater have vision for all of that stuff? I don't know. Vision doesn't have a ton of answers for legitimate questions. I'm just telling you. Vision requires some assembly. But it doesn't come with assembly instructions. Our legacy giving is some of that assembly. It's kind of like buying something at Ikea. Anybody can relate to that? Come on, you'll tell yourself, boy, this is a good deal. And then seven or eight days later when you have cussed everybody out, you don't know what's happening and you've got a dresser and all the drawers are upside down. (laughs) Sometimes my life feels like that. It, it takes some assembly, but it doesn't. You know, good marriages take assembly. They just don't have instructions. You, you know, good relationships take assembly. They just don't have assembly instructions. You know that good finances and good, good parenting, and they just don't come with assembly instructions. It takes vision. It takes vision. I want you to lift your eyes from where you currently are, where, wherever your current reality is. I want you to see what isn't there yet. Then I want you to imagine yourself. I want you to see yourself like God sees you. Imagine yourself in that area. And then I think you need a field trip this week. Start walking around in the future that you know God has for you. Whole, healed, set free, delivered, on purpose, with a purpose. The vision. 